good day and welcome to the Frontline Chatter Podcast. My name is Jarian Gibson with co-host Andrew Morgan. How are you doing today, Andrew? I'm doing pretty good, Jarian. I'm doing pretty good. Uh, Cedric Summit's behind us. Um, lots of fun announcements. Uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to our guest today, a man I've admired both aesthetically and intellectually for some time. Um, so yeah, I mean, how are you doing, buddy? Doing pretty good. Again, had a good time at Summit. You know, it's interesting to see with, with the transition going on at Citrix. Um, looking forward to Synergy. Um, but, you know, let's uh, introduce our guest today, uh, Mr. CTO of Citrix, uh, DJ at Summit, uh, Christian Riley. How you doing today, Christian? Hey, guys, I'm doing fine. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to this immensely. Oh, great. Well, that makes uh, that makes all of us, to be honest. It's always good to catch up with, uh, with, uh, with, your, with your good self. Um, you know, I, I, to kick the podcast off, you know, one question we'd like, we'd like, to, we'd like to ask everybody is kind of, you know, you've, you've started off, you started off Bechtel, and I'm sure many before that, you know, cloud.com, and now you're Citrix CTO. You've had a phenomenal career path so far, Christian. Could you tell us a little bit about how you got started and, you know, where your career has taken you over the years? Yeah, absolutely. So, in fact, you know, it's interesting. I was just thinking about this earlier today. It's my... 20th year in IT this year so I don't know whether I get a special award or prize for that or whatever but um, you know it's amazing because it's gone so quickly if I you know think back to when I first started which was a, uh, a company called ICL which was a UK government spin-off company way way back um, was acquired ultimately acquired by Fujitsu so I started on systems engineering side so you know putting together um, what were really the kind of the first commodity servers back then that had sort of moved from uh, from mainframe, mid-range and so on. Um, and then did a bunch of stuff around that. Had an opportunity to join Bechtel, which was, you know, obviously a uh, going from a, a, a core engineering, core technology engineering company to an engineering and construction company was kind of a, a bit of a strange move um, initially. But, you know, the systems engineering stuff was kind of similar. Uh, and then I had a fantastic career at Bechtel. You know, I did a lot of work uh, all over the world in in being, you know, uh, IT director on huge construction projects and so on. Uh, and that was kind of, you know, halfway through my Bechtel career is where I met Citrix Technology and became very familiar with that and, you know, drove a, uh, a significant amount of that inside Bechtel um, and then got to know the Citrix leadership very well. Uh, made a move to cloud.com because I fancied doing some, uh, you know, sort of startup things that, you know, when you're in a big company, you don't necessarily get that kind of experience. Uh, of course, then ended up with Citrix uh, from the cloud.com acquisition. Uh, stayed a little while, you know, maybe things weren't quite going the way that I uh, thought they might go from the enterprise side on the cloud.com acquisition. I uh, went back to Bechtel for a little while and then a year ago had the opportunity to join Citrix as CTO and, and here we are. Here we are indeed. I mean, and it's quite a, it's quite the career path. I know I alluded to it earlier on, but I mean, a lot of your a lot of your cloud thoughts and your and your blog posts are on cloud were, were so far beyond their time uh, that you know, as you read them today, they're 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 still relevant. And uh, I think a lot of us were were very excited to see um, you join Citrix at the time because Citrix was in a little bit of a turbulent uh, situation. And you know, obviously with the with the cloud and your experience, it's, it's fantastic to see you sitting in the role that you're sitting in. So, um, yeah, no, well, look, um, thanks very much for sharing your 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 career path it's a it's it's a fascinating listen i mean so i mean obviously you're ne- you're nearly a year now as a, a cto in citrix you know um as you said you're you're part of the boomerang club as sworn have put it once you know join citrix go come back again hello so uh how has your first year gone a cto has has it been enjoyable or Oh, I mean, absolutely. You know, I mean, I, the, the great thing about the role is that, you know, it's, it's, it's got so many different angles that people might not necessarily uh, see or, or think about. You know, I spend a lot of time figuring out industry things, you know, where are technology trends going and what does that mean to Citrix portfolio? Uh, I spend a lot of time with the product guys. You know, we've got, we've got some 
extremely smart guys, you know, in, in the product groups all over the world. Um, you know, we'd spend a lot of time with customers trying to figure out where they are in their business transformation journeys, of course, a lot of which um, I drove at Bechtel, uh, you know. And, and so, you know, bringing all that together, it, it's a fascinating role. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's very different than I expected. I thought it was going to be much more product focused, but, you know, just the sheer breadth of opportunity in there and, you know, working with some of the, the smartest guys I've ever worked with, it's, it, it, it's been brilliant, you know. And, yeah, of course, we've had some, some interesting uh, events along the way, but, you know, I mean, I think you can see we're, we're kind of coming out of that with a very strong message, um, probably stronger than we've had for a while, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to 2016 and beyond. It's, it, it's going great. Nice. Uh, good to hear. And, it, you know, it, it's good to see some of the the, the changes going on at Citrix, um, especially with um, the message at Summit and everything and going on there. So, you know, with that new message focus on, on core, um, you know, it, it's kind of open to interpretation. So what does that mean to you and how do you see Citrix uh, changing going forward? Yeah, so there's a couple of things I want to just, you know, kind of clarify on this, guys. You know, it's so the the core is kind of is critically important to to Citrix and to you know to any company who has a uh, you know a long standing set of products that are in use in in uh, at scale in many organizations throughout the world so you know like any other organization technology or otherwise you kind of always have to be looking around innovation and what comes next and i think you know by our own admission we made some bets in different areas that perhaps didn't quite you know, align ultimately with, with what we'd intended at the time. And I, again, I don't think that's a failing by any stretch of the imagination. You know, you, you kind of have to continue to push forward and look for new areas, uh, both in technology and new markets and so on. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I, I think we probably did uh, a few too many uh, within a short time, and, and perhaps some of those things became a little bit distracting from from the core, which obviously you know hundreds of thousands of of users and tens of thousands of customers rely on every day for 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 you know secure app and data delivery. So, I mean, if you if you kind of think about it very in, into sort of a very simple term, you know, we have to get back to being brilliant at what we've always been very good at. So that's what the focus on the core means, but. I, you know, I want to be very clear that that doesn't mean that we're going to stop innovating. You know, um, 2015 was a huge year for innovation around the core, uh, and I don't see any reason why we won't sustain that in 2016, 2017, and beyond. So I think what you'll see is us being very, very focused on making sure that what we do better than anybody else in the industry, we carry on doing that well and, and even better. And then the innovation around the core will be things that are specific to you know extending the functionality, making sure that we align our technology roadmaps with our customers needs and you know build continue to build you know the best solution out there so it doesn't mean that we're going to stand still it's not a message about that it doesn't mean that we're not going to look at different areas look at different markets look at different technologies but i think what you'll find and, and certainly under you know the leadership of our new ceo it'll be very focused on on strategy and execution and you know that's got to be good for everyone Oh, absolutely. I think, I think, yeah, I mean, speaking on the, on the, you know, looking around and, and then looking back inside, I think Gunnar kind of said it well last year when he said, you know, it was a slight over-rotation. Uh, and I think for all of us who are, you know, deep down Citrix fanboys, I think we all welcome the news that Citrix is focusing back in on its core again. And from, you know, obviously myself and Jerry are a little kind of... Um, are a little privy to stuff that hasn't quite been released yet but from our point of view we're super excited to see what's going to happen in 2016 as your, as your plans lay out together so uh, I, we, I personally I think it's a fantastic strategy uh, and I understand what you guys are trying to do and I wish us all the best with that yeah I, I, I can second that as well and we're already seeing that you know the, the talk of the the go-to stuff and then also recently the announcement about cloud platform so 
we're already seeing that that plan put in put into action and, and looking forward to um, the rest of 2016 and, and more announcements coming. Yeah, I mean, I think you're going to see um, as as much innovation as 2015, if not more. Uh, you know, there's a there's a very very good buzz inside the organisation, which you know we got some great feedback from Summit, which I'm sure we can talk a little bit more about as we go on. Um, you know, obviously new CEO coming in, so you know, I mean, th- things are, are lining up very well for us, and and we're we're very clear on on what we what we want to do, what we need to do. Um, you know, and, and guys like yourselves and others that, that help us to make sure that we keep that thing on track. So, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's looking as good as it's ever looked. And speaking of uh, the new CEO coming in, so, you know, it, it's been announced and stuff. And, you know, I myself thought it was going to be someone from Microsoft, thought it was another person from Microsoft. But um, you guys have a Microsoft guy coming in, lots of experience. Um, have you had the pleasure of uh, meeting uh, Kirill? And I'm not going to say his last name because I don't want to butcher it. Um, but have you had the pleasure of meeting him yet? So, well, let me help you with that first, Jerry. And so we're, we're using KT because it's easier than trying the, the full thing. So, um, no, I, I have not yet. Uh, we had a, a, an introduction to Kirill yesterday, which was broadcast globally. Um, you know, he spent 45 minutes uh, explaining, you know, why he came to Citrix, why he was excited about the opportunity, you know, talked us through his background, which is incredibly impressive, by the way. You know, I mean, uh, Kirill's an engineer by uh, education, by trade, uh, which is great for us. Um, you know, he, he knows the business inside out. He was uh, the founder of Patrol, which, of course, uh, was sold to BMC and then ran the uh, SMS to SCCM business uh, conversion within Microsoft and then latterly Microsoft Dynamics. So, you know, if you think of, of that experience just in the last sort of 15, 20 years um, and the fact that, you know, he spent a lot of time at Microsoft, uh, was very close to the senior leadership team uh, under Satya at Microsoft, so understands deeply about where Microsoft are going, which, of course, is critical for, for us as well. Um, I, you know, I, th- I think the stars are aligned very well. Um, you know, I'll hopefully get to meet him in a few weeks' time and, and get a little bit more uh, insight into to where Kirill thinks we will be focusing on the strategy, which, um, you know, it, it's great. I mean, I, I think it's a, it's a fantastic hire, um, all the right credentials, great demeanor, you know, good sense of humor, which, you know, let's face it, we all need in this industry. So, yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it's going to be great. Yeah, I think we're, as a, again, as Citrix fans, we're all kind of waiting with bated breath to see what the next move is and, you know, how this guy transitions. So we're all very big fans of Mark Templeton. And, you know, Mark is a, is a, is a hero in the industry for all the right reasons. And uh, he's got big shoes to fill. So I'm hoping he does the job good justice. It sounds like he will. And obviously that, that alignment of strategy between yourselves and Microsoft is only getting stronger as uh, as the months go by. So having um, having somebody with a good kind of solid background in, in that business is, uh, is, is only welcome, you know. But uh, p- pivoting slightly, I mean, we've we're sitting first place cloud now. You know, um, it, it was a, the big kind of move and announcement for 2016 or 2015. Um, you know, we're six months in, and you know, uh, how has the workspace cloud journey been for you? How from seeing it start, you know, seeing it as an idea to to releasing and seeing it grow. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it, it, it's great. Um, you know, people ask me a lot about what is a Citrix cloud story. And I think, you know, you have to kind of remember that, that with the exception of, you know, ShareFile and, and, and GoTo, uh, which, of course, is, is now going to be a separate business, there's not too much that Citrix has offered in terms of, of SaaS services. So, you know, you think about that from the point of view of, you know, say a Salesforce or Concur or other pure SaaS plays. And, you know, Workspace Cloud is not serving that same market. So I think it took a little bit of time for the people to truly understand what the intent was of Workspace Cloud. You know, it's, it's not Citrix offering, you know, hosted desktops or hosted Zen app, um, you know, as a service. But, but 
taking the opportunity to bring together some of the management infrastructure, you know, the control plane type of uh, concepts, uh, and you know, giving a place where primarily admins can deal with Citrix environments in a kind of a much less complicated, a much less burdened way. So, you know, it takes a while for people to understand, you know, why would we go after that? Um, but you think about it, you know, Citrix is, with, with a couple of exceptions that I mentioned, it's an infrastructure company, right? You know, we provide the infrastructure for people to deliver, you know, apps and data securely. So, Yet, you know, any significant Citrix um, admin or person with Citrix experience will tell you though, that there's a lot that goes around sort of the core of Zen App, Zen Desktop, uh, Zen Mobile, which, you know, is, is, is important. But, you know, we started to question whether it was important for customers to manage that or whether it would be easier for us to provide that as a service and let the customers really figure out how to build the workspaces, how to bring the resources together, and then where to deploy them to fit the needs of their business. So I think once we got over the initial hump of trying to uh, get people to understand that this wasn't a hosted DAS or a, you know, a hosted Zen app play, then you know, the conversations get a lot easier. And you know, the, the analogy for, for those who may not be familiar with it was you know, very similar to what Microsoft started to do with Office 365 and specifically with things like uh, SharePoint and Exchange when they said, hey, you know, we really understand the value in having you know SharePoint or having email but we don't think that there's any value in organizations running the core infrastructure you know you run the application sides of that or you know you provide the web browser for for SharePoint and let us worry about how to manage this at scale so it, it, it's kind of an analogy to that more than it is to you know providing a Salesforce uh, as a pure SaaS or providing hosted services which of course you know we have a, a great um, strength there in the CSP market that does that for us so yeah I mean it's been great, uh, you know. Overall, I think from a technology perspective, we're going in the right direction. You know, the the great news is that through the apps and desktop service and the and the Zen apps and desktop code base, that's identical. Which of course is is great for us to make sure that we don't have to deal with sort of two sets of of code and, and sort of two uh, development streams. So yeah, I mean, I I think uh, in the time that it's had and and you know the the way that we've taken it to market, it's been very good, and I'm expecting to see it grow 2016. Oh, I'd agree too. I'd agree. I, I've I've been very fondly watching this service. I, I absolutely see the value, and I mean, even just from from a development effort, the the ability to to host it all yourselves and manage it yourselves is a is a fantastic piece. You know, new features and functions can fly in a lot faster than what if you were deploying it on site. You know, then and you know, uh, some of the announcements from Summit as well were were very key to that as well to see how quickly it's growing, how it's morphing, and how it's uh, how it's getting its new features. So it's uh, you know, it's very welcome. I mean, obviously on the on the topic of Summit, I mean you. you you just closed down your first summit. How did it go? It was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I'd never, I'd been to many, many synergies, of course, uh, with my uh, both my customer hat on, and obviously the the, the first uh, synergy that I had as a as a Citrix employee. But um, summit, it's very different than synergy. Obviously, it's it's aimed at different people first and foremost. Um, but you know, the the I think the strength of the message of the focus on the core, the you know the Citrix partner love that we uh, deliberately intended to show there, which you know we have a huge partner ecosystem as you guys know very very well. Um, you know, and uh, I, I, overall the feedback was fantastic. You know, I think we had a much simpler.
simpler message. It was much easier for you know the partners, the sales organizations to understand you know what it is that we're trying to do and you know how that translates into into go to market, how it translates into the field. Um, you know, and and I think the the buzz around the place was similar to Synergy, but but different in, because obviously it's a different audience. Uh, you know, I spoke to a lot of partners there, a lot of SIs, and you know they're they're welcoming the the the, the focus on the core message. You know, because I think things have got a little bit complicated for them, frankly, as well in, in certain areas in trying to you know keep up with some of the acquisitions or some of the things that we've done and trying to figure out where that fit or, or didn't fit into you know their go-to-market strategies and their portfolios. So um, yeah, you know, there's five thousand people there, guys. So you know, it, it's it's a huge event uh, just by definition, and uh, the days flew by. You know, we were literally in in back-to-back meetings between the keynotes with with everybody you can imagine throughout the Citrix ecosystem. Um, you know, we got some great partners out there with with great complementary technologies, and and yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was completely different than I'd expected, but but um, you know, that, that's not a bad thing. It was a, it was a really great few days. That's uh, that's one that's wonderful to hear, and you know I think the partner message was was very very important, and I think you I think you guys really executed well on that. I mean there had been some grumblings in the past eighteen to twenty four months from the partner ecosystem just on you know where they live and where the value is in the partnership strategy, and I think one thing that I I, I took away from so much, particularly with talking to a few of the partners who attended, was that they really felt back in the back in the prime seat of where they were before some of this turbulence. So uh, from that point of view, I, I felt you guys executed really really well and kind of reminded the people that hey you guys are still a, you know very much partner focused and uh, they're, they're kind of forefront of your message and that that leads on from some or it's a synergy last year as well so uh, it was good to see it, it carried on that way and I'm, I'm glad to hear you enjoyed yourself um you know focusing on the on the on the announcements would you would you care to share any any of the announcements that, that was your favorite or uh, anything that you really put some work into that you saw come true to fruition yeah you know i think um well, my, my favorite part of, well, I have two favorites, actually. One that I'll say was my favorite because I put a lot of skin in the game. And then another one which was really my favorite, which is kind of outside of my scope in Citrix. So I'll, I'll go with the first one first. Um, so, you know, we, we did a lot of work on strengthening our message around security, right? You know, I don't think people really often give enough credit to to the, the way that Citrix brings the security angle to the solution set. And I think that's been a little bit of our own failing, actually. I don't think we realize that, you know, that messaging needs to be a lot more upfront now because, you know, when I talk to, to our big and small customers, the first thing that's on the mind of, of everybody in the, uh, an organization is security, right? You know, you can't pick a, a newspaper up or read an industry article without there being some other breach or some other issue. Um, so, you know, we, we did a lot of work on strengthening our message around security. So I was very pleased to see, you know, it was, it was one of the breakout sessions that we had, but literally you couldn't get in the door. It was crammed to the rafters. Um, you know, we had a great, a great uh, set of slides there that explain, you know, what's going on in the security world. Why should people care about it now more than ever? You know, what, what are the uh, emerging threats? What do they look like? You know, why is it different than traditional security? And, you know, well, by the way, you know, here's how we approach it and think about it from a Citrix perspective, not only on a pure security level, but also around compliance and, and you know, sort of regulatory things. And it was the first time that I'd really seen an end-to-end story from, you know, laying out the challenges to where Citrix plays. And, you know, and it's 
important to remember that you know Citrix isn't a security company, but you know when you bring together some of the the the, the, the products that we've got and the, and some of the configuration and implementation information that wraps around those specifically to things like PCI and HIPAA, uh, it, it's it's a fantastic story, and it was great to see that elevated to a point where you know now we can lead conversations with this is where we play in security, which obviously gives us you know different opportunities and different seats at the table. So you know I think that was my perhaps my favorite one because I put a lot of um, you know thought and skin in the game into that because I have a passion for for making sure that we that we really drive a security message. And then the second thing, which was really my I guess my favorite favorite, and I'll, I'll probably cop some uh, some flack for saying this, was uh, Abhishek Chauhan, who's my uh, my other CTO uh, colleague within the delivery network. Works group, the NetScaler group at Citrix. He did a fantastic job of explaining, you know, where networking's going, where you know Citrix see the next generation of networking, uh, and how that translates into some new technologies around the NetScaler CPX, which is the effectively the containerized version of NetScaler, where uh, the core functionality of NetScaler from the layer four to seven construct is actually broken down into containers and then can be used to deliver new types of applications because obviously, you know, we, as we mentioned earlier in the call, you know, we're always thinking about innovation, always thinking about where things are going. And we've identified obviously the next generation of applications as very different from a Citrix viewpoint than what we've typically done because, you know, we're now entering a DevOps world where, you know, we've really lived on the app ops kind of world. Um, and, you know, it's a great leading indicator for where some of our thinking's going. You know, if you read between the lines in some of this, I'll, I'll tantalize you a little bit with this. But, you know, obviously we, we don't stand still on, on where applications are going. Uh, we know it's going to be a continuum. We know there's going to always going to be mixed types of applications in the, in the areas that we serve. Um, but I think, you know, the NetScaler guy is going out there and, and taking a core product and breaking it down into services, making it consumable in a container way should give you some indication of some of the thinking that we've got. Very good. Yeah, no, I um, I, I, I didn't notice the, the, the security compliance stuff my, too much myself, but I definitely noticed the trend in networking. My Citrix has such a strong presence in networking from, you know, Netscatter SDX. The, the, the containerization of Netscatter was, uh, was was fascinating to see, and I think it'll 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 really come in handy to those who, who are involved heavily in containers. Yeah, I like, well, so, yeah, I mean, let, let me jump on that, guys, while you brought it up. I mean, you know, one of the, the, the primary factors of Workspace Cloud was as a result of, you know, I mean, we, we talked to a lot of, I mean, you know, I lived this for a long time as a customer, of course, and, you know, other customers that we talked to have exactly the same philosophy and the same opinion that it, it, it's, it's hard to build Citrix environments, not by design, just by because of the, you know, there's a lot to them, right? And, you know, we often had very candid feedback, which we welcome, of course, um, about how difficult it was to stand up a POC or, you know, how difficult it is to actually get the first VDA running or the first Zen app server, the first Zen desktop because of all the other things that are needed. Uh, and, you know, the world has changed. If you think about it from a SaaS perspective, uh, application onboarding now is much easier than it ever used to be from that. So if you take that from uh, a trend and an and accepted norm now that, you know, going to SaaS is a lot easier from an onboarding a use perspective than it is to self-develop and deploy applications, then, you know, the the, the scope of, of CWC or Workspace Cloud, it's kind of the same thing, right? We, we realize that, you know, building these things quickly is important to get people to understand the technology is important. And then, you know, should you want to go from a POC into a full-blown deployment, which, of course, is the, is the goal for all of us, then, you know, it should be easy to do that. And then further down the line to upgrade and to keep things evergreen, it's much easier for us to innovate and iterate 
cloud first than it is to try and put it into um, you know the, the the on-premise product and do it that way. So I think if you were to you know follow that uh, innovation trend line for CWC, you'll see you know a lot of the things that come out will come out first in the the labs environment of CWC and then in production. Uh, you know, almost following the Google model to an extent of, of you know, the kind of the beta and then into production. So, um, yeah, it's a good observation for you guys. And, it, you know, that, that, that particular example is, is the first of many that are in the pipeline. Yeah, I would say time, time to value and evergreen with the CWC concept is huge and not having to worry about those infrastructure components. You know, one a huge one being SQL, the redundancy, um, and just spending more time on the actual workloads and getting those right. So... Um, the, the vision, the, the concept, and what you guys have done with CWC, you know, just keep pushing forward and, and moving strong on that. I'd, I'd absolutely echo what, what Jaren just said. You know, and it, it's funny. Only, only yesterday was I talking to a customer about the SQL requirement from an infrastructure point of view, and uh, as the market and, and and you know, well, IT kind of. Um, space as a whole evolves into well why can't I just subscribe to this why do I have to bother doing this myself I mean I was having this argument with a particularly difficult customer yesterday where he was looking at the current Citrix delivery model versus a versus a competitor and saying well why do I have to do this why isn't this highly available at, at the software layer anyway and I said well it absolutely is that's called Citrix Workspace Cloud and we spent about 10 minutes talking about that and you dismissed it because you, you wanted to use what you had currently you know so it's uh, you know I, I, I echo what you guys are doing there I mean Matt let the people who who understand the product best manage it themselves. Let you guys worry about the the the, the scalability and the the redundancy of it, and just you know focus on on what the partners are good at in you know providing desktops and getting those really bad applications into a VDA and working so that everybody can carry on in their lives. So yeah, kudos to you guys. So you know, Christian, looking into the the crystal ball, you know, where do you kind of see EUC moving in the next uh, eighteen months? Oh, wow, I knew you were going to ask me this one. Um, so, you know, I, instinctively, there's a couple of areas that I think are going to be pretty impactful. Uh, I think Windows 10, you know, if you, if you look at the trajectory of Windows 10 uh, outside of enterprise for now in, in you know, education, in small to medium enterprise, I, I think it's going to be huge. So, you know, we, we've got a, and off the back of that, there'll be a bunch of interesting things that come kind of parallel. All right. So we'll have, you know, the universal Windows platform, which will be interesting from an application development perspective and also has some really interesting um, opportunities for us in terms of remoting UWP. So I think that'll be a that'll be a growing area. Uh, but perhaps, you know, I, I, and I, people kind of look at me funny when I say this, but, you know, I, I think it's about en enterprise mobility. And, you know, uh, let me kind of qualify what I mean by that. I would suggest that generally enterprise mobile in terms of the number of applications that are being developed I think has been relatively poor over the last two or three years um, and there's some interesting trends going on in mobility in general you know if you kind of look at the the iPad uh, sales which are dropping you know pretty much quarter on quarter uh, some questions now around the stalled growth of, of iPhone sales so you know it does that give you some indication that maybe there's a there's a morphing point into enterprise mobility whereby you know it's not just about buying a device and then trying to figure out how to get secure email on that but you know mobility in general is going to take a different path in terms of being many different types of form factors many different types of applications you know and I, and I think if I look out sort of the next 12 14 18 months 
it's got to be around increased mobility and that doesn't necessarily mean you know tablets or i you know phones or smartphones it's going to be you know chromebooks it's going to be uh surface fours it's going to be things that are you know sort of mobile by definition where i think we've sort of pigeonholed mobility recently as an industry into a smartphone and a tablet way you know kind of forgetting that you know laptops were mobility long before that but you know we're not perhaps um, either as, as usable or as manageable or as consumable, right? So I think if you if you look at that and the trends in, in cost, uh, my gut feel is that the Chromebook story is what is perhaps hurting some of the iPad sales. And, and again, people look at me funny when I say that because you know they don't they don't draw a parallel between the two things. But I think if you look at it in terms of what does mobility mean. Uh, to me, that's the big area. And I think that's going to bring some challenges, further challenges around security. It's going to bring some added pressure on application developers because, you know, we're not talking about uh, nominally running receiver on everything here, which, of course, we can do, uh, which will be part of the solution set. But, you know, with UWP, uh, with the Continuum API that's coming out from Microsoft, you know, all these things that are kind of gravitating around to to potentially give us a whole different view into how we think about mobility and how we think about EUC overall. So I think that's that's a huge one, uh, which is obviously tied to, to some of the Windows 10 things as well. I, I think we're you know, we're going to get continually challenged around security. Uh, you know, the, the notion of having desktops attached to corporate networks is long gone, as we all know. Um, but I don't think that overall as an industry, uh, our view around security is kind of where it needs to be. So I think we'll go through, you know, another iteration of MDM versus MAM, which I think is where people are currently at. But that will move pretty quickly, in my view, to, you know, extending to MIM, which is, you know, the information management piece and trying to figure out how we secure uh, at a uh, information or transaction level rather than a device or application level. So I think we'll, we'll see some stuff on that. Um, and then, uh, you know, perhaps the more interesting one, which, of course, is, a, is, is probably relevant from a Citrix perspective in terms of, of what we're uh, sort of doing with Octoblue and, and the reason why we made that acquisition. Uh, I think the definition, the very definition of end-user computing will change because, you know, I think today we always suspect or, or you know, accept that there's going to be a human element to all EUC and I think that may well change whereby you know we find that uh, smart devices don't that don't have a human interaction become much closer to the fabric of enterprise applications and so you know the the notion of an end user always being a person you know typing a username and password into a device I think that will melt away over the next sort of 12 18 months and will give rise to some some very interesting thought processes around end user computing where you know the device itself is not activated by a user, although you know there is still uh, parts of the application and the data consumed and used by that end device. Um, I think that's you know that's a, perhaps one of the more little bit further out if I look in the crystal ball. But you know I think the notion and the assumption that end user always means a human is probably going to you know have a significant change in that time frame. Yeah, I would agree, and I, I've been saying for a while um, whoever can get that workspace across those multiple devices, the, the framework management, you know, bring all those pieces together into a, a solution is going to be the one that comes out ahead. And you guys definitely have some of those pieces, you know, with the, the framework that Zimmobile has, with um, Octoblue being able to kind of integrate a lot of pieces of what Citrus has, um, some of the components for the, for the data with ShareFile and looking at some of the security side with with um, with Netscaler and other things you can do with Octoblue as well. I, I think you guys have a lot of the pieces to kind of bring that together in, in, into a pretty neat solution. 
Yeah, you know, and, and I think that that's a great a great point, Jerry. And, you know, and I, you know, it's it, it's 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 all very well to have all the you know the 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 view that applications are going to change and you know they're going to look different and we're going to have different devices. But you know, the fact of the matter is that that with all that added complexity of the environment, we have to continue to strive for the simplicity of the user experience. And so, you know, I think the user experience overall will change and continue to grow, and it'll get more contextual. You know, if you are thinking about this from a combination of the user, the device the application, uh, the location, you have to make sure that you don't approach that, in my opinion, with kind of a one-size-fits-all. You have to really strive for this kind of adaptable world where, you know, there's a and, – and, it you know, we can go in different ways with this thought process, probably outside 18 months, but, you know, applying – more of uh, machine learning and AI technologies and, and processes to, you know, kind of understanding, you know, if, if Andy is in this point at any given time, I should know which application set or subset or data set or data subset to deliver to him because, you know, I've learned the way that Andy works and the things that he does, and I can provide that contextual to where he is. And obviously, you know, there's lots of data gathered in the background around, you know, security, operational data that can all be melded together to actually help drive that sort of more predictive workplace so I think that's a further out conversation but yeah you're absolutely right on in terms of you know I don't want to call it workspace aggregation because that that seems to be a new buzzword that I'm not quite sure aggregation is the right word it's more integration than, than aggregation for me um, but yeah you're right I mean we, we do have all all the right pieces for that uh, you know it, it, it's a question of of sitting down and, and and we have you know we've done a lot of thinking on this of course but sitting down with all the product teams in Citrix and saying hey guys look you know we all own a piece of this one way or another so you know what does it look like when you bring all that together um, you know I'm thinking here of, uh, of the Netscale Gateway as an example I'm thinking of Storefront I'm thinking of Receiver I'm thinking of you know the Works Home application you know bringing all that technology together uh, under one. Uh, workspace integrated uh, view is it, it's a, it's a big ask, but but it's it, it's definitely uh, you know an area where we're where we're going and, and looking at and of course tied to identity um, both uh, from an identity broker perspective, but you know also tied into where we think identity is going, which seems to me to be heading very much uh, in the path of, uh, of Azure AD. So yeah, I mean lo- lots of good conversations there, lots of good things. Um, you know, big 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 engineering effort and and you know kind of very. Um, uh, difficult uh, to, to kind of visualize and, and, and wrap our minds around because there's so many so many pieces to it. But but yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're right. Uh, without the user experience and, and without some some things that we can add to that, then um, you know we, we just have a bunch of pieces. Yeah, it, it's kind of like you know when you watch those uh, those food shows and they say you know here's these X amount of ingredients you know and they may not all fit together right now, but take them you know put them together and make me a great dish. And that that's the task you guys have to do with working across the product teams to to make that happen. Yeah, so what you what you're saying is that I need to be the Gordon Ramsay of Citrix as well as the DJ, right? Yep, yep, Gordon Ramsay, DJ, or hey, even music, you know, take take um take all this stuff and make us a good dub smash, good um <clears throat> good track of of all these different uh types of music and, you know, make us a winner. So, DJ there you go. Well, it, it, DJ Chef, yeah, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I'll, I'll do that as if you do the Dr. Dre rap over the top when we're finished. <laughs> So you know we kind of talked Very about. Good. Uh, uh, no, I, I just I just wanted to say, uh, yeah, absolutely love what you're saying, and I want it now. So please hurry up your efforts. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Andy. So yeah, so we, we we kind of talked about you know where to move the next eighteen months. So you know, can we get any kind of sneak peek into uh, synergy or any hints or anything? Um, yeah, I mean you know I, I, synergy. I think you'll find will be. Um, 
a little bit different than Summit. You know, I think we've made the statement now around the uh, focus on the core. I think that's been very well received. You know, it, it's important to continue some of that. But, you know, I think uh, it's important that, that we move it up a notch. Uh, Kirill will have his own ideas, of course, about, about some of the things that we should talk about. Um, you know, and I've got uh, one or two ideas on the, on the CTO breakout side. Uh, for things that we should be should be showing and should be working on, um, yeah, I mean it's probably a little you know it's a little bit early, uh, I guess, to give you some some outright hints on what may be coming. But uh, I would expect there would be you know one or two things that you'll see on you know extension of the Zen apps and desktop side, uh, a couple of things that you'll see on the Zen server side. Which you know if you go back to what I was saying a little bit earlier. Uh, around the net scale of CPX and why that's important to look at as a leading indicator. So you know, I'll, I'll dangle that out there. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna start talking, you know, cloud native or containers specifically. But um, you know, think about that from the the, the 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 viewpoint that I talked about of the application continuum. You know, the application uh, path from from where we are today to where we need to get to. Uh, you'll see some interesting stuff around that. Um, you know, one or two other uh, exciting things that will come up. So, you know, you've, you've got me a day early here, guys, actually, because I have a, uh, a Synergy prep meeting this evening, UK time. So, um, you know, maybe when we get to the point of tweeting out the, uh, the, the, the podcast here, we can sprinkle it with one or two more things that I'll be a little, more, little bit more provocative. Oh, provocative. I like that word. <laughs> Very good. Okay, yeah, we, we knew it was a cheeky question. I know you wouldn't, uh, you'd either have to keep kind of, keep, or keep kind of uh, tight lipped on it for now. But um, just as we, as we look to close this down, because, you know, we're, 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 we're starting to come to the end. Um, one thing we love to ask all our guests uh, as part of this is kind of, you know, away from Citrix and away from EUC and all the rest, like what, what markets or, or, you know, what, what industries or markets are you currently watching and what excites you about them? Can I, can I even take it away from EUC and cloud and, and from markets and technology? Would that be too far to go? No, go, go as far as you want. We've had gun laws. We've, we've, had, uh, we've had quantum computing. We've had all sorts. Okay. Well, you know, so, so anybody that's spoken to me over a beer or a, a bourbon will tell you that I have, a, I have a real passion for apprenticeships. And I know this sounds kind of crazy and it's completely left field, but, you know, I, my, my gut feel... Uh, and, and many people don't share this, by the way. But but you know, if if we look out as an industry, um, you know, in terms of technology, it's it's pretty obvious, right? That every single person that you ever come across now of a school age is very technology savvy compared to you know a previous generation and even you know the generation that I came from. So with the advent of that kind of technology, I, I think we are doing ourselves a disservice generally in the expectation that, and this is not a Citrix thing, but this is a Christian view, um, you know, that the technology industry in general has a overly inflated expectation that everybody that should be hired needs to be a graduate from Stanford of computer science. Now, I, I understand why you need that, and I don't. I'm not trying to, you know, kind of send people one way or the other. But I think that as an industry, if we were to collectively invest in developing people through apprenticeships and giving educational opportunities, but giving much more, you know, relevant on the job 
type training that's that's you know contextual and it and it builds life skills and builds business skills. I, I view that as valuable as I would as hiring a graduate from Stanford. So you know I watch this market very closely. I've watched it in Europe. You know Germany are probably the best example of that, along with Austria, Switzerland. Um, but you know it's beginning to, to 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 grow as a as a worldwide construct. You know and I, and I think that. In the technology industry specifically, because we've been so blessed with consumer technology and made so many things available, I, I think we could really ramp up this industry by thinking a little bit differently about how we go after the talent pool and develop people and bring them into our industry. So that's that's my uh, that's my thing outside of, of EUC and cloud, although it does obviously tie back into the industry. Um, but it's exciting, you know. I think there's so many smart people out there that that may never make it academically, but you know could be brought in at an apprentice level uh, and end up being, you know, fantastic people within our industry. So I, I hope that, um, you know, I hope that we as an, as an industry and then perhaps, you know, we as a, as a, as a software company or, or as a technology provider, um, you know, go where other providers are going, which, you know, there are some technology providers that do this already. Uh, there are some uh, consultancy companies, there are some SIs that do it. Um, you know, I, I, I just think it's a great thing to give, you know, different people, different opportunities, uh, you know, kind of all for the common good. Uh, I'd echo that completely. I mean, I, a bone of contention of mine is uh, is the education system in general and kind of its relevance to to um, to today's market. I mean, uh, even thinking about you know, 15 years ago to when I well, a little more, maybe 17 years ago to when I was in school, thinking about my my secondary school maths teacher and telling me that I won't always have a calculator with me and I need to learn how these things work, which was complete nonsense. My iPhone now has a perfectly good ca calculator, and I can pretty much figure out what I need to do, you know, a separation from that. And even even looking at the Irish educational um, curriculum itself, there's no IT built into it at all. I mean, not even simple kind of, you know, ECDL slash, you know, data input, you know, using the Office uh, application suite. Like, none of this stuff is included, and it's so relevant to... You know, 80% of people out there these days to know how to use a computer, even at a basic level, and then taking it a step further to more specialization. Um, like you pointed out there with apprenticeships, I think is a phenomenal idea, and I, I'd absolutely welcome it. Like I, I was, I was unfortunate enough to make, to be made to um, do my schooling through Irish uh, as a in secondary school. So I was learning French through Irish. So I was going from English to to Irish to French, and then back and forth. It was, it was, it was completely obnoxious and unnecessary. Um, uh, so you know, any 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 relevations or any kind of movement in that industry, I would absolutely welcome to to make it more um kind of beneficial considering the amount of time you spend with it uh, to to what you do afterwards. You know. Yeah, I agree as well. Um, that's why I like those these new different alternative schools coming up. You know, the, those STEM schools that that kind of focus on like the science, technology. Um, math and engineering type of thing and you know getting away from that traditional schooling to to kind of adapt to make our, our next generation coming up more prepared for the world they're going to be in yeah absolutely you know i mean I, I again i'm not discounting the pure education side you know i think actually i think the mix of the two um you know whether it's apprenticeships with continued schooling which may not be you know all the way to to bachelor or masters or whatever it may just be industry specific or it may be you know unique to any given organization in fact if if the career path you know takes it that way um you know i just feel that 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 there's you know there's so many unfair pressures now i mean if you read any UK press on this at the moment, you know, the expectation is that most, uh, uh, you know, graduate leavers from universities already have somewhere in the region of $80,000 of debt from going through the school. So, you know, I mean, it's, I think the pressures are immense and, and, you know, there's, um, 
I just think there are other ways. I really do, you know, and and it, it's a big investment from organisations, of course, and it's it's a big investment from the individuals. But you know, I I don't think if you follow Germany's lead, I mean, you know, there's there really is no uh, social difference between somebody with a degree and somebody with an apprenticeship that's got you know a career having gone the other way. And I just think that you know, as a as a technology industry, we've been perhaps a little bit the wrong way around on some of that so you know this again it's just my my philosophy and and part of my experience in in you know management and leadership that i've i've worked with some very very smart capable brilliant people with the right attitude on both sides of that divide so i'm not suggesting one or the other is the winner but you know i'm suggesting that that perhaps we don't give enough thought to how good some of the people who don't come academically qualified can really be. And, you know, to me, a lot of that really goes around a willingness to learn, the right attitude, a professional curiosity. And, you know, you, you can't teach that in a university. So, No, I, I would agree with that. And th that, that's how I kind of came up through through IT is that, you know, I'm, I'm a college dropout. So, you know, I went to school maybe a, sem a semester, was bored because of all the education stuff. And then you know, I've always been interested in, in technology and computers, so I just started working and kind of came up, and it, mine's mostly been field experience, you know, over education, so. I, yeah. I, I, oh, said, okay. I said the exact same as well. I, I am I, I, another college dropout. I did programming in, as part of computer sciences for a year, and they stuck me in front of uh, COBOL. And I had absolutely no interest in sitting down and learning COBOL. I wanted to do something interesting, you know. So I took the road less traveled, you know, started off, uh, you know, and pulled myself up by my bootstraps through tech support jobs to, to get where I am today. And, you know, it, it's always been, a, it's always been a, a want of mine to go back and get a degree just to kind of say I've done it. But, um, oh, yeah, no, I, I'd echo what you're, what you're saying there, Christian. Just, you know, organizations using a little more of a, an open mind to, to, to looking at a candidate's um, value to a job, not necessarily what piece of paper he achieved from a, from a, from a, you know, a college. So awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, okay, well, look, we're, we're plumb out of time here. Um, just before I close down, I just wanted to thank our sponsors, uh, uh, Liquidware Labs and FS Logics, for being awesome and letting us do what we do here because we love it. Um, and to hand back to Jerry and to, to close in. Yes, uh, thank you, uh, Christian, for coming on today. Uh, really enjoyed talking with you. Um, we'll hope to have you on again and look forward to maybe some, some hints you'll share with us for the blog post that goes along with this podcast. But um, thank you to our listeners. Um, this has been the Frontline Chatter Podcast for myself and Andrew Morgan. Uh, thank you and have a good day. We'll talk to you next time.